our next topic is the study of poetry first we will discuss about poetry and meter so meter is from the greek word meaning measure in poetry meter is the measure of the rhythm of a line of a verse when the line can be divided into units of metrical feet when reading a great deal of english poetry we find no regularity in meter old english and middle english poetry was not metrical they used alliterative verse using the natural rhythm of the english speaking voice so it was chaucer who first introduced the meter into english verse ever since doubts have been expressed about the need for meter wordsworth said that meter is an super added ornament and that there is no essential difference between the language of prose and metrical composition the best part of any poem assembles prose when prose is well written so coleridge on the contrary said that meter is essential to poetry the presence of nature in emotion sorry the presence of meter in emotion controls its movement alternately pushing and pulling like the serpent in motion the rhythmic movement gives music musical pleasure but as poetry progressed free verse was introduced to bring the voice of poetry closer to speech hopkins used sprung rhythm counting stresses and not syllables since so the 20th century there was a conscious effort to recapture the rhythms of speech and prose in poetry Ezra Pound said that poetry should be written at least as well as prose. So on the other hand, Frost said that writing poetry without meter is like playing tennis with nets down. Second is poetic truth. So poetry has truth of its own. Keats said it, beauty is truth, truth beauty. So poetry is the phase of truth because as Keats said, a thing of beauty is a joy forever. and the poet says my love is like a red rose there is truth in it that stirs the emotion and appeals to the imagination in science we cannot equate love with rose because it is not factually correct to say so so we distinguish between poetic truth and scientific truth and keats hears the song of the nightingale his heart aches and a drowsy numbness pains his senses we cannot find a rational explanation for it He is in an excited state induced by the imagined song. So the image of the daffodils flashes upon words of mind, which is the bliss of solitude. So poetic truth is then associated with a pleasure which cannot be scientifically verified or proved. As Coleridge said, there is that willing suspension of disbelief for the moment which constitute poetic faith. And third point is poetry and morality. The question whether poetry can morally influence us is as old of poetry. Plato, the Greek philosopher, banished poetry from his ideal kingdom because it was untruthful, irrational, immoral. He looked for poetry that would create good citizens. This has continued to persist among literary critics. Horace said that poetry should instruct and delight. Dr Johnson said that the study of a writer was to make the world the duty of a writer was to make the world better so wordsworth saw in nature the mainstay of his morality and Shelley called poets the unacknowledged legislators of the world Matthew Arnold saw poetry as a substitute for religion 
a source of consolation in times of crisis so this is one side of the issue on the other side poetry is looked upon as structure with an autonomous life of its own without any necessary bearing on the outside world without any design upon the reader and poetry is a state of mind in uncertainties certainties mysteries and doubts without any reaching after reason and fact as keats famously has said frost said that a poem is a momentary stay against confusion and the poet said caught a poem does not mean but be in other words poetry exists for poetry so next is poetry as criticism of life matthew arnold defined poetry as a criticism of life but the treatment but the statement sounded a paradox he added that it is criticism under the laws fixed for such a criticism uh, with the law of beauty and truth later he modified it as the application of ideas to the interpretation of life poetry is synthetical criticism is analytical so it is criterion that creates and propagate ideas the poet finds himself in a climate of ideas which he roses to interpret life so he is using to interpret life so criticism analyzes the content and form of poetry interpretation is the application of the meaning so discovered to understand our own life the man who immerses himself in poetry comes out refreshed so that he can inspect the world within and without in within a without in clearer perspective so poetry criticism and interpretation of life are stages in the appreciation of poetry the poet creates the text it is the reader who responds to it ultimately interpretation is the discovery of the meaning of meaning as orden has said the words of the dead are modified in the guts of the living next we will discuss about the topic is can poetry change the world so poets sometimes take upon themselves the duty of changing the world it is called the poetry of commitment marx's poetry sought not to interpret the world but to change it the world is evil it is the poet's work to seize the scheme of things and to shatter them to bits and remold it nearer to his heart's desire so shelley conveys his message to the world to court if inder comes can spring be far behind so such an optimism is often proved frustrating orden after years of writing poetry of political action came to the same conclusion that same conclusion that poetry makes nothing happen so poetry is only a game of language a way of happening a mouth so the most poetry can give a healing touch it teach free man how to praise the world is too huge for poetry whose action is not more than that of a flower next is his poetry an expression of personality so wordsworth defined poetry as the spontaneous overflow of powerful feeling and as emotion recollected in tranquility So T.S. Eliot said, Poetry is not a turning loose of emotion, but an escape from emotion. 
it is an expression of personality but an escape from personality so words are this the romantic theory of poetry while eliot's is the The two views still prevail. Eliot's view suggests that emotion is turned into art emotion in the making of a poem. Emotion cannot be expressed directly. Poetry seeks direction through indirection. He calls it objective correlative. That is, emotion is expressed through a set of objects, a situation, a chain of events which serve as its formula. Yet even Eliot admits that only a poet who has a personality knows what it is to want to escape from personality. So Philip Larkin says that the poet has a complex of emotion and thoughts which he thinks are worth preservation. So poetry is an attempt to communicate thoughts and emotion whether it is done directly or indirectly is a matter of choice. Our next topic is valuation of literature. So among the functions of criticism is the valuation of evaluation is most important and the word critic goes back to Greek word which means judgment. The critic is, is a judge and valuation then is an act of judgment. So it is an act that is human nature. Criticism is an inevitable as breathing. After reading book, we invariably say whether it is good or bad in its primary sense criticism is a personal matter every reader has his opinion even if he does not openly express it a personal judgment may not be accepted as criticism because the personal opinion is individualistic and is not subject to universally acceptable norm and yet it has the essential mark of criticism the argument that valuation must have norm is classically in origin the romantic attitude is individualistic on this view there could be as many judgments of a work of literature as there are readers so it may result in a chaos of opinions the classic way is to make criticism a collaborative effort a common pursuit in search of true judgment the individual must surrender his personal prejudices and preferences to the common pursuit so this requires certainly generally agreed principles of literature the romantic trend is to agree to disagree the classical method is to judge of literature on the basis of universally agreed values so there are two kinds of critical evaluation one is called review and the other criticism so we are mostly familiar with reviews which appear in magazines and newspapers a review is a hastily written work of criticism it is contained in a limited space it usually is meant to promote the sale of the book reviewed sometimes it may aim at undoing the works reputation for most people this is good enough so criticism on the contrary an act of judgment based on principles it is a so slow and deliberate work and the judgment that results in has an enduring value virginia woolf once remarked we have a thousand policemen but only few judges So the reviewer is like the policeman on the spot to keep law and order. The critic like the judge produces his judgment on the basis of the constitution and the law. So Matthew Arnold in his famous Touchstone method teaches us to discover the best in poetry. He advises us 
to avoid personal and historical judgments. The real judgment has the fundamental principle. Poetry must have high seriousness and truth in subject matter and mellifluity and movement of diction in style. If these are applied, you arrive at real judgment. For these, we require tact. So this tact can be a matter of trained instinct developed through constant familiarity with passages in great writers like Homer, Dante, Shakespeare and Milton. So the passage, if memorized, can give us the tact to detect the presence. But memorization of great passages of enduring merit is not as an easy job. At any rate, this makes valuation an act of saying whether a poem is good or bad. So true judgment must have something more this to do. And evaluation uh, is an act of engagement with the text. The American poet's famous dictum, a poem does not mean but be, tells us that we are not bothered about the paraphrasable meaning of a poem. The poem does not reflect any reality outside the text. The poet or the society outside do not have anything to do with our reading. Close reading of text means that we engage ourselves with the words in the text, immersing ourselves in them and then come out with our renewed sense to inspect the world outside. The texture and structure of the form are the only relevant things for the reader. So ultimately the poem exists in the mind of the reader. As Auden said, the words of the dead are modified in the guts of the living. So evaluation in the final analysis involves analysis, comparison and interpretation. In short, it can be called descriptive criticism.